Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studio in Alpharetta, it's time for Profit Sense with Bill McDermott. Good morning. Welcome to Profit Sense. This podcast dives into the stories behind some of Atlanta's successful businesses and business owners and the professionals that advise them. We help local business leaders get the word out about the important work they're doing to serve their market, their community, and their profession, as well as discuss current issues that business owners are facing today across a wide variety of industries. I'm your host, Bill McDermott, and this show is presented by The Profitability Coach. When business owners want to increase their profitability, they often don't have the expertise to know where to start or what to do. I leverage my knowledge and relationships from 32 years as a banker to identify the hurdles getting in the way and create a plan to deliver profitability they never never thought possible. We have three great guests on the show today. Samantha McElhaney with South State Bank. Sam, welcome. Hey, good morning, Bill. So glad you're here. And Keith Cosley with Keck and Wood. Keith, Welcome to Profit Sense. Good morning, Bill. Good to be here. And Derek Griffin with Speartech. Derek, so glad to have you on Profit Sense today. Great to be here as well. Sam, I'm going to start with you. So banking, uh, a lot of issues around the whole concept of security. And so what does it mean uh, to a business owner today when a simple email can cost the business thousands of dollars and lost hours of production? Uh, yeah. Um, fraud is a big topic. Um, my local networking group, we're focusing on that topic on September 20th. So if anyone's interested, they can definitely hit me up and we can um, discuss their attendance at that event um, because fraud can come in many different formats, not just an email. Um, but that's what most people, business owner-wise, is familiar with right now, is receiving an email that could um, tell them that they need to wire out funds or that the um, a vendor needs cash, um, and they are unaware that that email, um, if they click upon it, could lead to them losing not only that amount of money in the email, but it could lead to open windows um, to other um, avenues within their company um, of losing information, um, losing cash again, um, just other important things. So people need to be aware and make sure that they're protected, not just um, from a financial standpoint, but an employee standpoint, information standpoint. Um, it's it's just crazy right now, all the different avenues that could basically um, interrupt their business flow. Yeah, a lot leave of them crippled. A lot of bad actors out there, yes. unfortunately, right now, and without being informed. Uh, as an employer or an employee and having set policies and procedures uh, just really leaves the organization open, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, and it, it needs to start from day one. Unfortunately, a lot of business owners react versus going ahead and having that proactive toolkit available. What do I do? Who do I call? Um, and unfortunately, they get very frustrated because, I mean, yes, you can call the bank and get the process started, but the bank will tell you, several steps that you need to take and they're almost in shock. I have to call the police. I have to fill out reports. I have to, I have to contact my IT department. I have to get all these things checked out before you'll even give me my money back. Why can't you just go ahead and give me the money back? Um, no, if you don't follow the steps, we can't give you the money back and you have a very short window when it comes to check fraud. It's 30 days. If it comes to ACH or wire fraud, it's less than 24 hours. So yeah, you gotta listen and you gotta do those steps. Otherwise, 
that money's gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's so critical. And uh, we're in a society that is so accustomed to instant gratification. Uh, If it doesn't happen right away, then uh, people get frustrated. Very much so. And you got to be, you got to be very aware of that frustration. You got to acknowledge it um, and take care of the individual because those feelings, I mean, they're painful. They hurt. Yeah. Yeah, they really do. Uh, we could probably spend our entire yes. interview together talking about security. Absolutely. Uh, I want to talk about an equally uh, important topic, uh, and a topic not only in banking, but in businesses in general, and that's employee retention and, and obtaining talent. Um, from your point of view, what what's most important to business owners right now when it comes to obtaining and retaining top talent? Um, this is a very personal topic for me, um, but also for my clients, um, because thanks to COVID um, and the pandemic, every um, a lot of individuals unfortunately um, either passed away or um, made the choice to make career changes, um, lifestyle changes, and so individuals um, have different reasons for either changing careers or changing jobs. Um, so communication is key. People need to have those critical conversations with individuals and find out what motivates them and what keeps them where they're working um, because it's the answer is not always money. Sure. Now, money is a satisfier and can give you those things that keep you there, but it may be the fact that they just need a lifestyle change or they don't want to drive to Midtown every single day yep. to be with someone or to be in a very um, hostile or cancerous work environment. They, they just need something more. Um, but it may not be something that's out of the box or um, unobtainable. Just talk to the employees, have a conversation. I don't know why people are afraid to have a conversation, but just have it and ask the questions and get the answers, and you'll be surprised. You might find that you can retain that individual um, with just a few quick steps, um, or you might be able to nab that great employee from the competition and um, they'll be your next greatest um, acquisition that you have that can just make a change within your employment. Yeah, we're we're really uh, we're really in the displacement business in that uh, our best sources of recruiting talent is our competitors' best people. That's absolutely, and people are open to that change right now because they're tired. They've been worked to death since March of 2020. Yeah. Long hours um, again. Um, a lot of dedication, a lot of um, manpower put into their job and their efforts. And now they're being asked to do some things that they're just like, why am I being asked? I've already given you a lot of my time and my effort. Sure, sure. We're talking today with uh, Samantha McElhaney. She is a commercial relationship advisor with South States Bank. Uh, She's also a single mom of twins at Bama and University of South Carolina. She's been in the financial services industry for 28 years this coming September and currently holds a position of commercial banking advisor in greater Georgia. Sam, I want to talk a little bit about a topic uh, that's that's near and dear to my heart, and that's exit strategies. Uh, there have been many events over the last 20 years to cause business owners to consider an earlier exit than planned or to start the exit planning discussions. Uh, 9-11, tech crisis, the financial recession of 08, which impacted me, as you know, uh, COVID and now the the great resignation with the supply chain obstacles. So what should business owners be doing right now, even if they're just starting their business? Um, I, If someone's starting a business like this great couple I met yesterday, um, 
during the conversation with them, I flat out said, if you're going to start a business, you need to know how to exit the business from day one. You've got to start that conversation with great business planners, um, the people around the table, the advisors that you're working with. Um, you start the plan on how to get into the business. So start the t- conversation of how am I going to get out of this business, whether that's tomorrow, whether that's three years, five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road. Is that going to be through family? Is that going to be through um, a member on your team that you're working with? Is that going to be through a sale? You need to start from day one planning on the start of the business as well as the exit of the business and keep those partners at the table strategically talking with you so that you can make that plan a goal. So I remember Covey's stating start with the end in mind and work backwards so even if you're just starting a business you actually start with the end absolutely and then work backwards to that yeah so that you have something every single day that you can strive and achieve towards sure yeah absolutely it makes a lot of sense so banking relationships um there's a lot of uh uh there's a lot of discussion about that out there in the marketplace so talk a little bit, what qualities or characteristics do you look for in an ideal business client to work with as a commercial relationship advisor? Um, I absolutely love honesty, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I would rather a um, business owner come to me and tell me everything great about his baby, um, her baby. Um, I love it when they tell me about the struggles with their um, business. Um, cause we can work with it. That's my job as their commercial relationship manager. I have to tell the story on a regular basis, whether it's with their deposits, their, um, their credit, their treasury services. I can't help you if I don't know what's going on. So constant communication again, seems to be the theme, but let's communicate. Let's tell the story. Um, and we can work through it. I can't read your mind. Right. So Tell me what's going on. Um, be honest with me. Let's work through it. Um, I also love the fact that um, they come proactively to me. Don't make me chase you down. I will chase you down, but um, don't make me chase you down. <laughs> um, but I, I will find you. Um, and I also love it when they um, are willing and open to um, sharing introductions. Because, again, I love to introduce people to my connections and help solve their problems. But I have problems, too. I have needs. So if you're willing to introduce me to your best clients and to your best opportunities, I'll make you look good. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen you in action. You're a great people connector. Thanks, Phil. You made me blush. So we're, uh, we're talking to Samantha McElhaney this morning. Uh, she's with South state bank at, at South state. Uh, they believe in making their, uh, their clients lives easier and more convenient building long lasting relationships and finding the right solutions that are important to you, the business owner. Uh, they're located in Georgia, Alabama, Florida, North and South Carolina, and Virginia, and they offer a variety of services uh, for their individual and business clients. Uh, Sam, I want to kind of finish our interview. Um, it's one thing to um, start a career in a particular field, but there's a lot of, of career changers out there that uh, it just seems like the grass might be greener on the other side. So my first question to you, what has kept you uh, in your career field of financial services for 28 years? Trying to put two kids through college. <laughs> <laughs> now that they're sophomores, um, 
Yeah, I got into it when I was 18 as a teller and have had some really great managers who have spent time um, with me. Education 101 is what they called it. And um, those managers and mentors, um, because I've had some bad ones, but um, more good ones, thank God, um, who have just really poured their heart and their soul into me and helped me become great at what I do and passionate about what I do. My kids do not want to do this. Um, but they see how much I love what I do every single day. And I learn something new every single day. So that's why I stay in the field that I'm in. So, um, and hopefully it'll get me to my goal of retirement at 55. Um, and then they, then my kids can go and start their world and I can help support them. They both want to, um, hopefully one day be business owners of them, you know, on their own and maybe I'll help them, um, be their CFO or maybe, you know, lead them to the right loan or, Help them call those shots. So that's why yeah. I stay in what I do. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. And and let me just share with you as someone who has two daughters through college uh, and now in their respective fields, uh, there is light at the end of that tunnel. So I want you to know there's hope. Um, and then a follow-up question um, I want to ask you. So I'm a political science major that became a banker who then became a business owner, profitability coach. So clearly my major in my career, um, although you do have to be a politician from time to time. Yes, you do. Uh, yes, uh, you do. But was this what you went to college for? And is this what you majored in? Because it certainly wasn't for me. No, um, I went to Rhodes College in Memphis on a full scholarship. Um, and I was a history major i am supposed to be teaching high school history um to juniors and seniors and i did my student teaching in memphis and was very discouraged when the parents didn't show up for my teacher parent conferences so unfortunately i am not teaching the young but i feel like i get to help teach business owners so to still do the teaching profession and that's uh that's a wonderful vocation um so uh as we kind of close here uh, if you had what I call as a mulligan, uh, anything that you would go back and do over again? Wow. I don't know. Anything that I would go back and do over again? Um, no, because then I wouldn't be who I am today, honestly. I mean, I have two amazing daughters. I have a great relationship with their dad. Um, I have a great career to speak of. I have amazing parents who are still alive and I get to see on weekends right now. I couldn't say that I would do anything different. So great question. And isn't that a great place to be in, uh, that you are totally fulfilled doing exactly what you do with the people that you want to do it with. And I will tell you firsthand, I've experienced you're you're one of the best bankers that I've seen. And that comes from someone who's been in the industry for 30 years. So so I could see how there would be no regrets. So for our listeners out there, they may be looking for that banker. Uh, What's the best way for them to get in touch with you at South State? Um, Well, the best way to get in touch with Sam McElhaney um, is to call my cell phone, 678 Five two four seven one three three, or you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, just look up Samantha McElhaney, and I am there, and I will answer um, because I'm on LinkedIn every morning for the first fifteen minutes of my day, answering messages and sending out messages. So please 
find me there. Great. Sam, it's been great having you on the show today. Always, Bill. I appreciate you. And now our conversation moves over to Keith Costley. Keith and I have uh, uh, cultivated a great relationship over time. Uh, Keith, one of the things that has so impressed me uh, over your stint uh, as CEO is you've really focused on creating a culture of collaboration. And I know that wasn't easy. Uh, And that collaboration is not only amongst coworkers, but also with clients and probably with vendor relationships as well. So from the start, maybe talk a little bit about that culture of collaboration that you've created at Kickenwood. Sure. I mean, the our, our business has a tagline of uh, collaboration by design that, that, that plays off the fact that we're a, a professional services firm that offers uh, design and engineering and landscape architecture and a, and a wide variety of, of services. Um, so we have made collaboration part of our core. Um, it drives our intentionality about our relationships between the business and our employees. Uh, we try to make sure that we're training our folks so that collaboration with our clients and our business partners um, is first and foremost because you know that is a differentiator for our firm. It allows us to recruit and retain talent. It allows us to build strong relationships with our clients and teaming partners. And uh, it is just key to our long-term success. And we've really embraced that concept of collaboration. And so I'm wondering, uh, is there maybe a particular story that comes to mind of maybe a situation where um, a coworker has collaborated with a client uh, and you've really seen the benefit in the relationship building aspect as a, as a result of that? Sure. I mean, it, so we are uh, an engineering firm at our core, and uh, so there's, there's technical competency that we have to have to operate in that, that, that marketplace, but we win work based on our ability to build relationships, sure. and we maintain clients uh, on our ability to collaborate with them and maintain those relationships. And so our, our firm's been in business since 1954. We have a long history but if we just kind of rested on that history and weren't intentional about our relationships, we would lose them over time. And we've been able to maintain uh, many long-term, decades-long relationships because we are collaborative with our clients. Um, and uh, if we weren't, then they would just move on because there are plenty of, of engineering firms out there that can do the work. It's really about the relationships. Well, in 54 years of history speaks to the, the relationships that Keck and Wood has, has built and, and the success that uh, the company has had over a longer period of time. Uh, I do want to go back uh, a question. Uh, I know that uh, certainly um, there is uh, an element that you went through as far as going through uh, um, Succession planning, you became CEO uh, for the retiring CEO. So I do want to talk a little bit and get your perspective on uh, the importance of planning for ownership transition as well as planning for succession planning. Yeah, that's that's a, a great topic and something that's really important in the, the engineering marketplace because there are, are lots of uh, 
lots of companies out there going through ownership transition and, and some folks are able to do that ownership transition internally and, and some folks are selling their firms and there's no one right way to do it. But I feel very strongly that Keck and Wood has a long history and we are actually you know, most of the way through our third ownership transition where our fourth generation of owners is, is uh, finishing purchasing um, firm, the portion of the firm, 45% of the firm is, has transacted over the past five years. And there's not many small businesses that can say that they have successfully transacted almost half of the company in, really? in a period of time. That's impressive. But um, we have a way to do it that works for us. We have tools and uh, that we can use. We're a partial ESOP. Uh, 40% of the company is in our ESOP and the rest of the trans rest of the stock transacts outside of that. But uh, there's no one way to do it. But if I were to give any business owner uh, advice, I would say it's never too early to start talking about succession planning and ownership transition. Uh, We have a history of doing it. And I still wish we had started sooner. (laughs) (laughs) So that's part of my job as CEO to make sure that as we're completing this round of ownership transition, that we're talking about succession planning and ownership transition every year um, so that as I finish my career and my peers out there in the company who are approximately the same age that I am, um, that we have that next generation of folks in place. They're well-trained, they're motivated, they believe in Keck and Wood and what we do, and they want to maintain that legacy uh, beyond our employment with the firm. So that's a real focus of mine right now. We're talking to Keith Costley, the president and CEO of Keck and Wood this morning. Uh, Keck and Wood is a 65 65- person civil engineering firm that's headquartered in Duluth. Keith graduated from Vanderbilt with a civil engineering degree and has become a licensed professional engineer in Georgia, South Carolina, and North Carolina. Uh, Keith, I want to shift the conversation a little bit, uh, probably similar. Uh, I talked about it a little bit with Samantha, but um, it's a talent war out there. And, uh, you know, finding the right people, talk a little bit about, uh, Uh, You know, as I recall, uh, you really, in addition to your collaboration, you really were wanting to build a strong foundation of talent retention, talent development, and talent management. So talk a little bit about recruiting and retention through developing career paths for your people. Sure. it's That's a real focus of our firm right now because the the labor market is, is very tight. Competition for for talent is uh, extremely tough. And, and the reality is, is all, all firms out there uh, know it. We're competing for each other's staff members. But ultimately, uh, we know that we can be the best engineers in the world, the best business developers in the world, but if we can't recruit and retain staff, it's all for naught. That, that, that could be a pinch point that could stagnate our growth. And at Keck and Wood, we believe growth of the firm is important to the long-term health of the company. I, I'm not talking about doubling the firm every two years, and, and that's that's kind of chaotic. But steady, uh, reasonable, managed growth of the firm is important because if we can't do that, then we can't provide career path opportunities for our staff members. And if they don't see a path through your organization, you have a much higher risk of losing so we, we've created a program called Pathways to Success that we continue to develop every year where we have 
uh, well-defined job descriptions, career paths identified, uh, a really robust uh, goal setting and development review process that we go through with our with our folks. And we've you know identified that hey, you can take a uh, a really technical engineering route in your career, and that's great. Those are very valuable people, and this is what that career path looks like. Or you can get into, once you've built up technical competency, you can get into management and business development and really impact the growth of the company. And we need those people too. And the the feedback we've received from our staff members uh, when we unrolled that program and that communication was like, wow, that's that's a relief. You know, I thought that, you know, I might have to do business development and that's really not something that excites me or energizes me. It's good to know that I have a career path outside of that and other people are the opposite. They're like, yeah, the engineering's fine, but I'm really passionate about people. Yeah. And that's where I want to be. And we need both of those people, but just showing people a path, uh, I think is going to be critical to our ability to recruit and retain. Yeah. Yeah. Wise words. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I know you've started to prepare an annual strategic plan that's uh, published to the cult whole company. Um, you know, you want to get everyone, um, understanding what you want to accomplish and you use it as an opportunity to get people engaged. So talk a little bit about that strategic planning process and how you feel it's really uh, energized the organization. Sure. Uh, So we just this year for the first time published what is the first of our annual flight plan. It's basically goal setting at the company level and at the practice and market level further down in our organization the goal is to get us to think about what do we want to accomplish in a given year, uh, communicate those goals at all levels of the organization, and actually hand out a document that, that shows, hey, you know, this is employee X, you're in, in this market under this practice. Um, what are we trying to accomplish? What can you get engaged in as an employee? And as we're doing our goal setting and development reviews, um, during the course of the year, we're trying to tie people to specific flight plan goals that we're trying to get done. Uh, are we perfect at it? No, but but we have this concept in place, and uh, we're excited to be working on our flight plan for 23. And what do we want to get accomplished? Uh, later this year, we'll do a, a three-year strategic plan, and we'll start talking about what should be in our What's, you know, what's our flight plan for the next three years? Sure. So it gets people engaged. Nobody can say, I have no idea what this company is about and where we're going. If, if they don't know, it's because they haven't, they haven't gotten engaged and they haven't looked at the document. And we've, we've received really good feedback uh, because people understand where we are and where we're going. Well, and, and people like to be engaged. We're uh, talking this morning with Keith Costley with Keck and Wood. Keck and Wood was founded in 1954 provide civil engineering, landscape architecture, and land surveying services to clients throughout the Southeast. The company has 65 employees and four offices, uh, Duluth and Fayetteville, Georgia, as well as Rock Hill and North Charleston, South Carolina. Their clients include city and county governments, utility companies, state agencies, education institutions, and private developers. Keith, I want to kind of close our conversation, you know, as CEO you can't manage what you don't measure is a favorite saying of mine. I'm sure I copied that from somebody. Uh, but using KPIs to measure success and facilitate regular conversations about metrics that drive firm success is critical. 
So how have you implemented in your time as CEO uh, using KPIs to, to measure success and facilitate regular conversations throughout the company? Sure. Uh, it's, it's interesting, you know, it's the difference between a, a practice and a business. The practice of what we do is, is engineering and design work. And sometimes you can get caught in the trap of, well, you're so focused on the engineering and delivering good services to your clients that you neglect the fact that you're a business and a business has a purpose, which is to make money and to provide long-term opportunities and return on investment for, for the people who are owners of the firm. And uh, we've really done a good job of, of uh, changing our business culture and making sure that we're paying attention to the things that we can control and measure. Uh, you know, KPIs, we have a whole suite of KPIs that we look at every month. We discuss them. We look at trends. We compare to what they were last year. Uh, we compare them to our budget and, and, and where we are. And it just creates uh, a vehicle to talk about the things that are really driving the success of your business. And um, so it, it's just it's been a really good addition to our firm. I mean, you and I, you know, several years ago, we're talking about what are KPIs, what should we be measuring, and, and you helped us. Uh, put put some thoughts together on that, but we've really implemented that and, and meet on those things monthly. And it's not just, you know, financial KPIs. There's human resources related KPIs. There's marketing communications related to KPIs. So uh, the things, if, if you're measuring them and paying attention to them, they'll improve. And, and we believe in that and, and it's helping us move the needle. Yeah, and uh, certainly Keckenwood has a has a long legacy of successful CEOs at the firm. Otherwise, you wouldn't have been able to sustain a uh, uh, the history that you have. Uh, but in the words of Emerald Lagasse, the chef, uh, <laughs> I believe you've kicked it up a notch, sure. Keith. Yeah. So uh, c- congratulations on your success, and uh, uh, I'm excited about the future for for you and Keckenwood under your leadership. If someone wants to get in touch with you, whether it be about a particular project, maybe a career opportunity, uh, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you or someone at Keckenwood? Uh, sure. The, the, there are several ways. If you want to contact me directly, uh, my phone number is 678-417-4001. That, that's my direct line. That'll ring at my office and at my mobile phone. Uh, you can always find me at LinkedIn, uh, Keith Costley, C-O-S-T-L-E-Y is my last name. Um, you could even just go to our website, keckwood.com, and uh, there's a place where you can you know, submit a question or an inquiry, and uh, you know, those will get routed to me. So I'll be happy to uh, talk to you about you know, the, the firm or, or being a business owner and a business leader uh, if you're interested. Give me a call. Keith, it's been great to have you this morning. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate you. And now uh, I've got the pleasure of, of talking today with Derek Griffin with uh, Speartech. So, Derek, so excited to talk really about B2B. So I'm going to just kind of start uh, at the very beginning. Talk about what is B2B. So B2B is a, it's a term that gets used a lot, but some people have to ask, what does that stand for? And it stands for business to business. It's just a shorter way of saying it. Um, a lot of businesses are selling to consumers, and that would be B2C or business to consumer. Um, 
my company, Spiritech, has sort of a niche or a focus on companies that do business to business, meaning they're product companies that either sell to retailers at a wholesale price or they sell to um, companies that distribute their product. So business to business is is definitely our primary focus. So I've, uh, in my experience uh, around working with business owners, uh, I've found uh, one of the top two weaknesses in any growing firm is marketing. So I really want to uh, ask, uh, so we're talking B2B, uh, but I really want to ask the question, so if I'm a business owner, why would I consider Speartech when I already have a marketing agency? Okay, so a marketing agency definitely helps you with your brand, your messaging, um, how your products are presented, but marketing agencies may not understand the, the more complex needs in a business-to-business environment, meaning um, an e-commerce solution that allows them to sell with the business rules that apply to selling to business to business. Examples of that might be minimum quantities, different price points, depending on how many items you buy or different price points for different uh, customers. And then take it one step further, having those transactions integrate into an ERP system or an accounting system. So marketing agencies are, can be great at the look and feel and, and how the company's presented, but from a functional standpoint, that gets them kind of out of their comfort zone. We can, however, partner with marketing agencies where they define sort of how the company is presented online, but we actually make it work. We're talking this morning with Derek Griffin, who is the president of Speartech. Derek spent 22 years as the leader of Speartech, a niche B2B e-commerce solution provider. Uh, His background includes being a CPA in public accounting for seven years, as well as CFO for a $20 million manufacturing firm. And that financial experience and understanding of how a business needs to operate has been tremendously valuable in what Speartech delivers to its clients. So I really want to shift the conversation to um, industry types. So if someone um, is looking for your expertise what types of industries are the best fit for you? So we can really work in any industry, but there are three that we've done a significant amount of work in and would have dozens of examples um, of you know companies that we've built a solution for that would be parallel to what somebody in that industry is looking for. So the first one is gift and home decor, which uh, if you've been in Atlanta long enough, you kind of understand what America's Mart is and the gift mart, merchandise mart, um, and how bad traffic gets twice a year when they have a big trade show. Um, but we have uh, our largest customer base is from that industry. Um, and those are basically product companies that are either manufacturers or importers, and they're selling at a wholesale price to retailers. That's how that industry works. The second would be industrial products. That could be hammers, screws, um, torque wrenches, any kind of tools or industrial chemicals, things like that. In that market, they're often selling through a distribution channel. So the product company has, they don't often sell to the end user or to a retailer, but they sell to a distribution house that serves the end customer. And then the third industry is promotional products. Um, Basically, anything with a logo. 
and we work both with the suppliers in that industry who sell to distributors, and we also work with the distributors who sometimes have large corporate accounts that um, that need a solution for employees to purchase uniforms or for marketing departments to purchase uh, and order promotional material that may go to a trade show, something like that. Now, I know in my business, for example, um, I work anywhere from from a business who might be a solopreneur uh, to working with large companies that are, you know, uh, $100 million revenue and above. So you've talked a little bit about the industries, but I'm, I'm wondering, is there a company size in terms of revenue that might be a sweet spot for you? Sure. Um, so sweet spots, probably five to 10 million. Um, our range is probably a million to 25 million, but in that five to 10 million range, they're large enough to afford to do it right. Basically paying us to, to build the solution that they need, but not so large that they have a massive, you know, IT department or marketing department, um, in-house where they might be able to do it on their own. So we're talking to Derek Griffin this morning with SpearTech. SpearTech is a technology company that builds online business solutions for product-based businesses that sell primarily to business-to-business environments. Uh, that online solution is a website, but is so much more than that because it enables the client to do business with their clients in a much more automated and efficient manner. And as Derek said, uh, clients are typically manufacturers or product importers that are either wholesale to retailers or through a distribution channel. And so I really want to talk about value uh, because you bring a lot of value to your clients, uh, Derek. So in your expertise, what is what is the value in integrating a website to order management systems? Sure. So um, orders have to be processed. They have to end up in whatever system that company uses to pick, pack, ship you know the order and get it out the door. If an order comes in via email or via fax or via phone, then somebody has to physically key that order into the order management system. In an integration, you basically have the e-commerce system, the website that we build, talk directly to that accounting or ERP or order management system, basically exchanging the data for that order in a completely automated fashion so no human has to touch the order until somebody in the warehouse is actually putting stuff in a box. That um, reduces obvious payroll cost, but it also reduces the time to get the order into the system and out the door, which improves cash flow. Um, and then also eliminates uh, order errors. Keying errors can be very costly because you often have to eat the shipping you know, uh, cost to correct the mistake that your staff made. So uh-huh. there's several ways that creating the right business solution can give you a return on investment simply through cost savings. Yeah, so obviously what I'm what I'm hearing is those uh automated processes really become more efficient and and actually saving the business owner time and money. 100%. Yeah. Uh so outside of anything website related, you've got a wealth of knowledge not only in technology but also as a background in in accounting. So I'm curious what business advice would you give to other small business owners out there that are listening? So I've been in business for 22 years. I've had great relationships. Uh, I have a couple of other businesses that have kind of sprung out of SpearTech. 
Uh, I have a side e-commerce business. I do some real estate. Um, one of the most critical relationships in that entire period of time is not having a bank, but having a banker. Um, and uh, I'm not, I didn't get paid to say that because Sam's in the room. Um, but she has been my banker for over a decade and I would not own the two buildings that I own without, you know, Sam's assistance. Uh, I've purchased major like reinvestments in uh, server infrastructure and, and hosting infrastructure through, uh, through Sam and uh, having a bank banker that understands your business, that listens to you, knows what your needs are and can help you. The prime example of having a banker or not a bank was really doing co- during COVID. And it wasn't just for me, but I had other business owners that banked with some of the big boys and they got no help, no, no anything when it came to getting PPE money or anything like that. Even though these business contacts of mine were not um, banking with Sam, she still helped or, or with her bank, she still rescued them. One guy, even I met him a couple weeks ago, uh, just to, to grab dinner, and he basically said that Sam saved his business from going under. So that's just a, a testament of not the 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 bank is important. The banker is more important. Yeah, I've uh, over time I've conducted my own poll to that fact, and what I have found in my experience. Uh, Eight out of 10 business owners have a bank, but not a banker. And having that banker as part of your, what I call uh, personal board of advisors or professional board of advisors is, is absolutely invaluable. Sure. So for our listeners, listeners out there that want to get in touch with you uh, in Speartech, what's the best way for them to do that? Probably the best way is through our website, because if they go to Speartech, S-P-E-A-R-T-E-K.com, they can uh, see our work. They can um, look at the different websites that we built for clients and they can filter that by industry. And that helps them get a, a really good idea of what the end result of working with us would be. And there's a quick form there to reach out to us or you just call the number on the website. And in preparing for our interview, I did go to your website and it is awesome. It was very, very impressive. It better be since that's what we do. (laughs) (laughs) So Derek, thanks again for coming on uh, profit sense today. Thanks so much, Bill. You know, in closing, I just want to share a, uh, an additional thought with uh, all the listeners out there. Uh, And it's on the topic that's very front and center in many business owners minds. It's called exit planning. You know, every business owner has a big dream to sell their business one day and see it continue on successfully. Uh, Many of us have our head down just running our business. We refuse to confront that the day is coming when we will either close our business, sell it to employees or family, or sell it to an investor. No planning takes place. Getting a business ready for a sale is a little like getting a house ready for sale. You want to maximize the value of your home. So you spend some time and money updating the kitchen, the bathrooms, put a fresh coat of paint on the walls, clean the carpets. You want as much value to transfer from seller to buyer as possible. Same thing is true in a business. There are really four main components to preparing a business to sell for maximum value. First, you really have to 
build transferable value. That's getting management agreements with key people with compensation that ties them to the organization for a period of time after the sale. Uh, Second, you really need to obtain reliable financial statements to include an independent indication of value based on the CPA review or audit of the financials. Uh, Third, outlining how the company achieves revenue goals and results, increases profit margins, manages the business, and how the company differentiates itself from competitors is critical. And then finally, creating a growth plan for the next three to five years and how that growth can be achieved. Uh, To learn more about what's involved in executing each of these steps, uh, visit our website at theprofitabilitycoach.net. If you want to keep up with the latest in pro-business news, follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at The Profitability Coach. If you want to listen to past or future ProfitSense episodes, you can find us on ProfitSenseRadio.com. This is ProfitSense with Bill McDermott signing off. Make it a great day.